Okay, hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Innovations in Education, the podcast where we here at eSchool News explore the forefront of educational advancements and the stories shaping the future of learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and today we're diving into some of the most compelling and widely read stories that have captivated the education landscape in 2023. Always one of my favorite times of year to look back and see all the amazing things that have just gone on in the past 12 months. If you had asked me that AI would have been the topic of conversation this time last year, I would not have had it at the top of the list. So listen in as Laura Asione, our editorial director, and I break down some of the details. Have a listen. All right, Laura, happy holidays. Merry Hi. Christmas. Happy holidays. I'm very excited. Happy New Year. As I mentioned in one of my previous posts, like as an, an old ink-stained print journalist, this was a, a fun time of year to put together, you know, both what you did in the year past and looking towards the future. And I know we're doing both here at eSchool in terms of taking a look at what were the most popular stories that came up on the site. And I know we'll be doing a, predi a predictions conversation as well. But for this one, we kind of wanted to take a look back. I know over the years, this has been your baby to kind of go through and kind of take a look at those trends. Anything that stuck out for you in terms of 2023 versus other years in the past? So this is one of my favorite things to do during the year because I love seeing what our readers are interested in and what is generating the most activity on the site because that also helps us track what people are wanting to read. This year with our top 10 most read stories, I think one of the biggest things for me is the absence of AI in these most read stories. And I think part of that is that I think it was only the the second half of the year where things really just exploded and, and we started seeing a lot more contributed pieces focusing on AI. But that stuck out to me because I was positive we would have at least five out of the top 10 stories focusing solely on AI. And we didn't get that. But that's kind of nice because we have been inundated with AI content and that it's nice to <laughs> to step outside of that bubble for a little bit. And looking at the stories, we've got a lot on literacy and the science of reading as well. Science of reading has been really big this year. So we've got some of the top stories focusing on that. And also just a lot on like kind of trends and what we are going to expect. I think over the past few years, we've been hit with a lot. And I think that people are really interested in predictions and what the experts and the stakeholders think will be next, maybe to to look forward to, or maybe also to brace ourselves for, because what else is coming down the pipeline? Absolutely. No, I agree with you 100% on the AI. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, I'm about 20 years in on, on covering ed tech and not seeing a phenomenon like this in terms of a, a change of a subject matter. There was one mention of AI in one of the, the prediction pieces, which is one of the, the, the if not the top story of last year, I think people love these these type of stories, but it was cropped in with AR and VR. It was like, mm -hmm. and so keep an eye out for AR, VR, and AI. And it's like, well, keep it, keep an eye out for AI for sure. Um, sure did. <laughs> and we did. And we did. And then I, to pat ourselves in the back, we were doing a little bit of stuff about AI uh, before it was cool. I mean, it was we always are. kind of this, like a, more of an esoteric thing, but I think it was, yeah, back in February or March, we did a few webinars uh, where we're looking at some of the new technologies coming out from Promethean 
and Merlin Mines, which is a company that was not on many people's radar 12 months ago. We spoke with Levi. He's the chief strategy officer there at Merlin Mines uh, for a couple of uh, webinars. And by the time we got to ISTE, they were in the mainstream press in terms of the, you know, the technologies and how they use. So that was that was pretty cool to see some of the predictions come true, right? Yeah, that's always one of my favorite parts. See who's like who's got it and kind of where we where we were right on and where we maybe veered off course a little bit, not in a bad way, but just, you know, what maybe didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Yeah. Kind of the general takeaway I took from looking at the list of the top 10 stories was a need for our readers to find solutions for for student engagement. Yeah. Um, I was I was pleased and a little relieved to see two of my podcasts making it into the top 10. So that was good for uh, for job security. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but both talked about the idea. Well, one was actually the most recent talking about blended learning in kind of a post-pandemic setup. And the other one was just direct talking with the folks at Logitech about the need to engage students both in the classroom and, and outside the classroom. And I think coming out of the pandemic, I mean, that has been a number one priority, right? Yeah. And I think it's just such a weird space to be in because we are hearing a lot about the learning loss and the learning gaps and how we're still trying to make extra learning time. And and I know that's a big focus, but just as we come out of the pandemic, it's not the same as coming out of like winter break or something, right? It's We've not yeah. been in situation before. So everyone's trying to get their footing and different districts are trying different things. So it really is a kind of like wild, wild west of learning recovery. And so I think it's it's very intriguing to, to kind of see what people are doing and, and what they're trying and what is going to work. And it all depends, again, you know, on district resources and and the needs of different student populations. And I think we're going to see a lot of different things depending on on those factors. Yeah, and definitely, you know, as much as I'm sick of talking about it, and I know everyone is, I mean, just the, the pandemic still continues to have a bad effect on education. And I think that's another reason why you see people searching out and reading these sorts of articles, because the kids are still, I mean, they were permanently affected, I mean, as a result of that remote learning experience. And I wouldn't say not much of, it, of any of it was necessarily positive. But you are seeing ways in which the technology went through this kind of great beta test. I mean, we we would talk about these things, especially at eSchool being forward thinking. It's like, you know what, AR, VR, AI, I mean, these are things that you can use in the classroom to improve things, but it was always kind of theoretical. Then all of a sudden they're pushed in and then and we're using them. Students are comfortable with it. More importantly, I think now faculty are more comfortable with it than they may have been, you know, BP before the pandemic. So we've got this great archive of how-tos and and what you should do and, and how to deal, not only with the technology, but also I noticed social emotional learning was kind of another kind of takeaway, which before the pandemic, I mean, maybe a nice to have, maybe we talked about once in a while. Uh, as a, maybe a supplement to the way you're supposed to teach. And that continues to be front and center, right? Yeah. And I think that's another topic that we were kind of far ahead with. We started covering that and it was a little foreign to me when we first started covering it. And at first I admit I didn't, I was like, hmm, SEL. Okay. Yeah. But it surprised me how quickly our readers and our audience gravitated to it and just how 
essential it's become. And I will say both of my children's schools, my daughter started high school uh, this fall and a lot of the first week of school incorporated a lot of SEL strategies, a lot of kind of empathy, team building. So, and, and I was really impressed with how they did that, obviously to welcome an incoming freshman class, but I think to get all of the kids coming at it from a different approach, building that community and learning how to listen to one another and kind of starting off with just a little more intuition about what the students need. I think that's really important. And we talk about learning loss from the pandemic. We definitely had some social learning loss and social skills lost or delayed as well. So I think SEL has also cemented itself as as something that is, like you said, definitely more than a nice to have now. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, you mentioned AI at the beginning and, and that big surprise that there wasn't more of it. Did you see anything else that, that you found surprising or interesting kind of versus, you know, the number of times you've done this in the past? I, I mean, when, when you mentioned student engagement, that was up there. And I don't know if that was surprising, but it was definitely encouraging. One of our stories was about the the impact of um, four-day school weeks. And that that one kind of surprised me just because, you know, as we're talking about, you know, trying to find extra learning time. And and um, I was like, oh, there is some research on it. And it's it's just interesting kind of the different um, cases that we have for, you know, what supporters are saying. And, and there are some logistics involved in that, of course, but a lot of it. And I think we can we can trace this back to the to SEL as well. Shorter school weeks, reduced rates of bullying and and fighting. Now, whether that's because you are not in school as many days to engage in that behavior or not, or whether it's because there are certain things like, you know, academic stressors or social stressors that are maybe reduced. We can look at those ideas and think, that's crazy. But, you know, a lot of companies are moving to four-day work weeks. And I think even though the idea sounds kind of unachievable for where we are now, I do think it raises some interesting questions just about how our learning is structured and and what supports students need and don't need and would have access to even if schools are closed, like school meals. But I, but something like that, I, it did kind of come out of left field in terms of the popularity. I wasn't expecting that to be there, but yeah. it's read so it, it was nice to see it there yeah it's kind of fun to see what the algorithms might pop up and where our content reaches and, and how it goes viral right and that's certainly one that is in the news as you said like in the work environment obviously that needs to be reflected in education now i know another one of the top tens was your piece on ISTE, which obviously biggest show in the u.s when it comes to ed tech talk a little bit about that piece and your experiences at, at ISTE this year? So this ISTE, I really felt like we were, I think, as much back to, you know, quote unquote, normal um, conference normal as as we could be before the pandemic. This was, I think, one of the busiest ISTEs I've had in the past few years. And I have to say, first of all, I love the show Abbott Elementary. So when I saw that, you know, some of the actors and inspirations behind that show we're going to be at the keynote. I was like beyond thrilled. Um, so if anybody has not watched the show yet, it's hysterical. And there is an episode about an education conference, which I just, I mean, it, <laughs> it was so fantastic that I didn't want to cross the line and, you know, post it on on the eSchool Twitter, like, you know, go watch it because there are some, you know, slightly inappropriate things. But <laughs> it's such a fantastic show. It really hits at a lot of what we see in education news and just education in general. And it's also hysterical. So I would I would encourage anyone um, who hasn't seen it to watch it. 
But I love how we focused on this idea of equity and Black educator representation, and especially the need for, you know, minority students to see themselves in the classroom. And we've talked about, I think education has gotten better about talking about that in general. The idea of like posters in science classrooms shouldn't just be old white men with, you know, mustaches holding up beakers and and stuff like that. It's always nice to see yourself in the role that you'd like to be in or maybe see yourself in the subject or, or area that you're interested in. So I think that this panel discussion at ISTE did such a fantastic job of highlighting how important representation is. It was really enlightening and it was it was a very like open and open-minded conversation um, with a lot of room for, I think, people who maybe don't have experiences in seeing themselves represented, you know, to ask questions and, and, and learn. And I think that's important too. There are those of us who are used to seeing ourselves, whether that's the color of our skin or our ethnicity, um, we're used to seeing ourselves in certain roles. And so we don't always understand what it's like to not see ourselves represented. And I think this just drove home the importance of representation and encouraging minority students to to really, you know, kind of go for what they want, which is, you know, always an awesome message. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're coming away from 2023, where the most popular acronyms are diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, social emotional learning, SEL, and not necessarily uh, AI, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I think it's really encouraging. And I think that the more inclusive and open-minded our classrooms are and our education systems are, the more learning and the more learning achievement will take place because we hear all the time, you can't learn if you're tired, if you're hungry, if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you don't feel like you're part of your classroom. So I think I think a lot of the topics in our top 10 and, and the, and the um, topics you just mentioned really kind of go to that goal, right, of creating yeah. inclusive classrooms where students feel like they're part of their community and they have their support systems in their peers, in their teachers, you know, in their community groups. And I think that is a really, really encouraging place to be as we get closer to 2024. Yeah. Well, great conversation. This was a lot of fun. Had a great time working with you this year. I think we created and curated a lot of content. I think uh, our readers appreciate the hard work that you do and uh, look forward to doing more next year. I'll keep you off the hot seat for your predictions to our our next uh, con- <laughs> our next conversation. So study up on that, and uh, we'll start thinking about those. Yep, <laughs> we'll do it again, and hopefully, Sam, at the latest, see you in person at FETC. Awesome, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, this has been a great year. I've loved it. And that's all there is for this episode of Innovations in Education, and that's all there is for 2023. Just want to take this minute to thank all of our listeners and our readers for a really great year. So there's a lot of great content being put out, a lot of great ideas being spread, and a lot of students having their educations improved because of your work. Please continue on in 2024. Contact me with your ideas and your suggestions. I look forward to working with you uh, over the next few months. Thanks again, and Happy New Year.